0: You're gonna need that pure religion, hallelujah Gonna need that pure religion, hallelujah Christ alone Fellowship live this is uh, Pastor Lowe's here uh, trying to get this whole thing together here real quick Uh, hopefully we get some instrumental backgrounds here there we go what's going on Uh, yeah yeah we're going on live uh, here today just to practice uh, some safety some of our families uh, have gotten sick and so just to use some wisdom uh we've decided to kind of just wait and uh allow the antibodies to kick in for some of our families and then uh we can definitely uh meet up together again this coming sunday as we do every week you know what i mean so that's what we do and uh so yeah we're here on live and uh got everything working uh if you don't know the song the song is pure religion by liz vice and of course she's getting that from james 127 where it says religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so that's what it means. That's what true religion is. And, uh, and so that's why I played that song. It definitely has some biblical backing to it. Just, you know, just a heads up to y'all, but real quick, our website, of course, is ChriststoneFellowship.com. You can go there uh, and find out more about who we are. And uh, that that is our website, and we are a city in Lancaster, uh, Lancaster City, in PA, and we've been here for two years. And uh, the Lord has been gracious to us. You know, we uh, are in the midst of transitioning into a building. Finally, we're gonna have a home, and uh, I'm super encouraged by that. It's been a blessing, and uh, yeah, I'm just rock how the Lord has provided uh, to a small church uh, what He has, and so. By the way, uh, spread the word. Share this on your Facebook page. Uh, Let people know that we're on live. That would be great. And uh, yeah, I think it would be encouraging uh, to see some more faces. I see you, Vic. I see you, Brendan, Jordan. What's up? Good morning to everybody and good afternoon for those of you in the East Coast. What's up and what's going on? Uh, Real quick, though, we're going to go through some announcements and uh, right now. Uh, we're going to go through some prayer uh, requests that we do have, that we do weekly. So I'm going to put here on the screen for you uh, one of the slides that we do have for our sister Bria Griffin. Um, and so make sure um, you keep her in, in your prayers as she ministers on campus. Uh, she's a part of Disciple Makers and also uh, a member of our church. And um, it's just been really encouraging to have our sister a part of our, our church body and uh and uh yeah, she's an encouragement to us. Uh Veronica uh Lakeo is also uh someone that we do support. Um and she goes uh to the abortion clinic up there in um in uh York, I'm sorry. And uh, we've been supporting her. We've been helping her out, you know what I'm saying? So keep her in your prayers as uh she's actually gonna get married. And um and so yeah, uh it's gonna be uh it's going to be an encouragement to see her get married, you know, uh, seeing young people. And I am actually have the privilege of marrying her. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an amazing day. She also is transitioning to moving. And so we do need uh, prayers to f- have a sidewalk missionary. And by the way, we do have someone in line for that from our very own church. So continue to pray for that as we uh, continue to move forward to minister at the York Clinic and pray that as we move forward, We'd like to see work done in the Harrisburg clinic out there. Um, And uh, really, it's not a clinic. It's a place where they're killing kids. So we definitely want to make sure we, you know, minister there. Um, Excuse me. So the other thing we do, too, is uh, the cypher spot. Uh, That's uh, John, Vic, Rome uh, and Carla and others. Uh, And I go uh, when I can Uh, try to go often. To support them, um, continue to pray for them, uh, we do dancing and dancing is a form of outreach for us, and there's a dancing community here in Lancaster City, and we've definitely been in the forefront of that culture as we are uh, sharing the gospel there and um, and we have someone right now who just became a member at our church who came to know Christ through that ministry, and so it's been fruitful. Um, is it on Facebook too? Somebody's asking, yo, uh, this is only on YouTube, but you can share the link on Facebook as well. Um, and so let people know on Facebook, uh, you can get the link on YouTube and share it on Facebook. Just a heads up, but continue to pray for the Cypher spot. Uh, on Monday nights, we, uh, we minister to the kids through, uh, the neighborhood and also every other Thursday we have it where we, uh, are currently meeting. Uh, where we're reaching young adults and we have it from like seven to ten um, so uh check it out and find out what's going on with that if you want to keep that in your prayers also we do have a coffee house coming up uh, a mic night where you can come and if you want to uh spit some fire you know what i'm saying you could do that <laughs> you know you can sing you can mime you can uh whatever art form you have um you can bring it through to the uh, open mic night, uh, and I would encourage you to come through. It's it's really dope to see uh, th- the different arts and different expressions of what people have. And so we open it up to the city. We open it up to our our even our church to come and share uh, some of the gifts that you might have. Um, they've been trying to push me to to rap a little bit because I used to do Christian hip hop back in the day, but that's not gonna happen. And if it does, it's because I've been pressured or, you know, whatever. (laughs) But we'll see about that. Come to the coffee house. It's to raise money for our building that we're actually uh, purchasing in June. Uh, We need to raise $35,000 by June 1st. And uh, we definitely would love your support and prayers. So come to that and support it. Um, the other thing we do is our small groups hebrews uh, christ perfect sacrifice perfect priest Um, and it's been just an amazing journey to go through the book of hebrews and to be able to uh, yeah just uh really dig in as a church and uh, the men's and women's groups meet every other wednesday this wednesday it will be the men's group here at my house and Lord willing, uh, in a couple months we'll be at our new church building, and we'll see how that goes as we uh move forward to to just fellowshipping there. So we do have small groups. If you want more information, you can go on our website at Christalonefellowship.com. We had to actually cancel also um our systematic theology study today, but we're gonna reschedule that and uh we have one left. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh yeah we have one more and it just seems like we can't get it together so we're definitely going to be able to uh you know um get together and finally uh hit the chapter on angel on demons and just the demonic realm and our study into that and so uh we'll let you guys know uh but we have been going through winged systematic theology together as a church And so uh, more is coming up uh, when it pertains to the systematic theology study coming up soon. All right. So I'm going to put this screen here. Uh, Let me see. Solo. There we go. All right. And so make sure you go to our website, crystallinefellowship.com. And we're asking you to give online. Uh, You know, offerings are definitely helpful for our budget as we continue to You know minister in the city of Lancaster We have uh, things that we need um, Coming up for the church Building and also for an outreach Uh, The city of Lancaster Is opening up some uh, permits for us To be able to do block parties All these things that we want to do And so continue to pray for us So you can give online at Christalonefellowship.com Someone's saying Pastor Los I think more people Will come if you promise to perform Just saying (laughs) thanks for the pressure Bryce uh you know um you know what I mean uh, I'm thirsty now you know you got me tripping over here uh <laughs> the the thing is I'm like older now so like the pressure is just uh, at a greater level with my age you know what I'm saying I just feel I don't feel the same like I did in my 20s uh you know what I'm saying doing hip-hop ministry but who knows come through and find out we'll see it's all for the glory of God anyway All right, so you can give online at ChristAloneFellowship.com. Our building fund right now, uh, you can go to our website and on the main page, you can give to MoGive. There's a link there where you can actually give to the building purchase, uh, to the down payment of 35,000 that we need. Uh, And it looks like saints that we're moving forward to moving into our own facility. And so praise be to God for that. If you wanna support us in that, you can uh, give to Cash App. I'll put the link up here at Christ Alone BFC and also Venmo. If you have Venmo, you can give to that also. And that those outlets right now, or those platforms actually are for you to give uh, specifically to the building fund. All right. And so if you if you want to help us move into the city, uh, especially right there where we want to be, right by Manor Street and on, all the way to Water, all the way to Beaver Street, all the way to Prince Street, South Prince, Um, That's where we want to be, you know. Um, So we're excited about that. And even South Queen, uh, we're like in that area over there. And so we're excited to see the Lord work. Uh, We definitely want to just continue to do outreach. And your giving will make it very uh, make it possible for us to be able to continue to do ministry in the city of Lancaster at our own location. And so you can give to those outlets to those uh, right there. And so uh yeah i appreciate it there's people in the comment section right now that are really trying to push me uh (laughs) to go on the open mic night we'll see we'll see what happens um but anyway praise be to god for uh you know what he's doing at our local church and uh, right now uh what we're going to do oh also marriage night i forgot we had to reschedule marriage night And uh, we'll give you the dates. Uh, My wife is working on that right now. And so we'll announce next week uh, what that looks like. All right. And also, as far as what we've raised, we're going to keep that a secret until next Sunday. So in order for you to know, you got to be at church next Sunday. But I'm pretty sure, Saints, you'll be encouraged at what the Lord has done um, so far. We have to come up with $35,000 by June the 1st. And God is providing. And I believe you'll be encouraged by the amount that the Lord has blessed us with. And so make sure you go in um, this coming Sunday at Christ Alone Fellowship. We'll be at our location, all right? Okay, all right. So um, right now, we are just gonna dig into the scripture together. And uh, so we're in John chapter 19 john chapter 19 verses 1 through 16 so if you got your bibles i got mine right here open up to john chapter 17 and uh so as you guys already know i don't consider this church um i you know there's only like exceptions for us to be able to do this together meaning being online um and so i'm kind of just uh sketchy on uh preaching on on a live right and so I'm going to attempt to do that uncomfortably. So, uh, but um, I'm just doing it to, you know, encourage the the saints and we're doing it through online for now. Um, and so right now, there's other churches that just are being so creative. James Coates and his church in Canada. Keep them in prayer. You know, what I'm saying as they're na- navigating through their church building, being fenced out so that they don't go in and fellowship. Um, and so. Who knows? Who knows what the Lord has for the future? Either way, God gets the glory. You know what I mean? And so this is just an exception. It's not the rule. It's not the way the Bible tells us to gather together. But So I'm going to attempt to go through a passage with you and uh, be able to just encourage you a little bit through the uh, the Scriptures uh, in brief. All right? And so we are in John chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through 16. My apologies if I said 17. John chapter 19. He entered uh, his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, if you release this man, if you are not Caesar's friend, you are not Caesar's friend. For Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic Gabbatha. Now, it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, behold, your king. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. And this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray, saints. Lord, we thank you. Um, We thank you for what you've given us. We thank you that you gave your only son. Forgive us for not seeing the cross as what it is. It was our greatest gain. It was our greatest hope. But it was your greatest pain and your greatest loss. We thank you that you became poor, that we might become rich. Out of your impoverishment. We have gained eternal life. So Lord, would you allow this text today to encourage your people? And would you allow the eyes of the unbelieving, uh, would you allow their eyes to be open? We're humbled and we're grateful for your gift, the free gift of salvation given to us in Christ. But Lord, um, at times we don't see the cross in light of our sin. Lord, would you bring conviction to us? That our pride, our egos, our our ways that are in violation of your decrees and wills, would you bring conviction to us? Would you make us more like you? For you called us also to carry our crosses, to die to ourselves daily, to follow in your footsteps. May we be your disciples to your glory. Would you help us to love one another and also to encourage one another for your glory. We love you and we thank you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I usually go through some background with you. Um, and uh, what I wanted to do just in brief was to just uh, kind of go over chapter 18 just real quick. Um, nothing really uh, specific other than just covering some of the things that we did cover in John chapter 18. Uh, We did start off in John 18 with the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. Um, You did see Jesus at the garden, um, you know, and Judas, uh, who brought with him a band of soldiers and some officers, chief priests and the Pharisees. He had a whole squad there. Uh, They went with lanterns and torches and weapons and then Jesus, it says, uh, actually, in verse four, John 18, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, whom do you seek? You know, and so. He said that because he knew already <laughs> what was going on. This did not catch Jesus by surprise. And then he also uh, they felt they in verse uh, six, uh, <laughs> Jesus uh, actually had them uh draw back and fall to the ground. You know, because uh, when he said, I am he, when they asked where Jesus was or who Jesus was, and he said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, whom do you seek? You know, so Jesus was in full control. Uh, so one thing you have to understand uh, when we look at his arrest, because humanly speaking, when you look at it, uh, you know, a man who's under that type of, uh, you know, in that situation where uh, he's they're, they're coming to arrest him, they bind him, it says. He looks like he's not in control, but he knew all that would happen to him. And he had them draw back and fall to the ground, revealing who he is so that they knew who was in control. And Jesus was definitely in control. And he actually prophesied and told his disciples that he would be arrested and betrayed by Judas. Matter of fact, he told Judas, go do what you're supposed to do. Then they brought him to Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest, you know, and so Jesus, the, the trial of Jesus starts uh, beginning a, a little bit after this, actually. But this is kind of like starting. This is kind of like putting in motion his trial. Then Peter denies Jesus three times. You see that coming to pass. And Jesus are, have already uh, told Peter that that's what he was going to do, because Peter was all, you know, he seemed like very confident and very, you know, like he's going to uh, actually, you um, You know, he said he was going to be down with Christ. You know, I will never leave you, Lord. I'm going to be with you to the end. Uh, In other words, and then Jesus said, no, no, Peter, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. You'll deny me three times. And we even highlighted how we at times could be that confident. And yet when faced with circumstances of self-preservation, it puts into question sometimes if we're able to even withstand some of the trials and things we go through for his glory. But anyway, going forward, uh, Peter actually denies him three times. Then finally, in verse 28, Jesus goes before Pilate. And this is kind of now the trial that uh, Jesus is now in. Pilate was the one, he was the governor at the time of that region. They took him to the governor's headquarters. And then Jesus makes the statement that my kingdom is not of this world. And Jesus admits to being the king And then the Jews actually uh, continued to want him crucified. And Pilate kept saying, he actually said it about three times, that he found no guilt in him. And yet they continued to want Jesus crucified to the point of trading him for a criminal, a robber, an insurrectionist. Someone who was clearly guilty of a crime. They wanted Barabbas instead of Christ. And so that naturally leads us up to chapter 19, and that's what's going on. Then what happens in verse 1, let's read it together. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. So flogging also can be scourging. Uh, If you know anything about the term, scourging uh, meant to whip someone uh, uh, repeatedly, actually. Flogging was punishment that was repeated with lashes and blows with a whip, or even with rods. And so this happened to Christ repeatedly. It wasn't just, you know, he got hit a couple times. He got hit several times. Scourging by the Romans in the scriptures, uh, actually, you know, uh, the way it portrays uh, uh, the lashing that took place, it was very severe. And the Romans were the ones who scourged Jesus in our text. We don't actually know how many lashes Jesus took. Um... But in the law, in Deuteronomy 25.3, it does tell us that a criminal, according to the law of God, uh, should not receive more than 40 lashes. But this was according to their law. It wasn't according to Roman law. The Jews, in order to abide by that command, actually didn't exceed 40 lashes. They they were so careful that they would only go to 39 when a criminal was found uh, guilty, according to the law. The apostle Paul, if you remember, talked about this in 2 Corinthians 11:24 where he said, "Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one." And the reason why he said less one is because again, the Jews were very careful to exceed, you know, 40. So they stopped at 39 for fear of breaking the law themselves. And so I actually did the math for Paul. Paul was scourged 195 times total. If he was at five times, he received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes less one, five times that I believe that tells us 195 times at the hands of those who were uh, persecuting him. And many of us have seen images, right? Uh, Going back to Jesus being scourged where he was scourged at the back. You know, you see that, uh, you know, in the passion and other movies. But scourging wasn't limited to the back. Scourging happened all over the body. Even on their feet, there were uh, 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 there was uh, some rec- uh, records, I believe, where people being lashed and being scourged were scourged even to their feet, which would be very painful so much that they would be in severe pain just for standing. Um, and so they were scourged all over the body. So Jesus was scourged by the Romans, and it doesn't seem that they would follow Jewish tradition. I don't think they followed the, the 39 less one deal. They were Gentiles. They were Romans. But it actually might have been even more severe than that. You know, scourging was the punishment order for Jesus by Pontius Pilate in our text, and he was to be flogged but not killed. They would scourge him enough to have him suffer before his crucifixion. So Jesus warned his disciples actually about this, that they themselves would be scourged and flogged. In Matthew ten seventeen. He told them, beware of men, for they will deliver over, deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. So he actually said this would happen to them. Mark 13, 9 says, but be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to the councils and you will be beaten in the synagogues. And you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. So we actually see this happen in the book of acts in acts 540 the apostles were flogged by order of the sanhedrin jesus spoke of flogging for his disciples and he spoke of it in a way that actually it you know it was going to be inevitable for them to actually get flogged and we see this in the book of acts he said that this would happen but he also said that god would give them what they needed when it did happen So Jesus here in our text is being scourged. And what we know for sure is that he was entrusting himself to the father. Pilate had Jesus scourged to keep the crowds in order. You see this actually in Mark 15, 15. And it tells us that Pilate did this to satisfy the crowds. And what they will do next is nothing short of mockery. In verse 2, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. Verse 3, they came up to him saying, Hail, king of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Matthew 27, 27 through 30 reads, in Matthew 27, write this down, chapter 27 of Matthew, verses 27 through 30. It says, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put him in a scarlet robe. And twisting, twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. This is uh very hard to read, man. Uh. So the crown of thorns that were made, actually were made from long spikes, about 12 inches long. And the thorns would actually cut, very, uh, cut deep into his head. And they had actually a hammer uh, to put the crown down into his head so that it could fit tight. So they would have like, uh, they must've had a device, uh, probably a piece of wood and just nail it, uh, put the piece of wood on the thorns and just nail down The crown so it can go in So that they also wouldn't be cut This was done To mock Jesus as king Of the Jews And what struck me uh, Reading this is that Those of us Who deserve this pain and mockery Ourselves Jesus endured And what we got in return For Jesus receiving the crown of thorns uh, was a crown of life. It's amazing to see that someone who was sinless and perfect in all his ways was treated the way he was, and yet those of us who were, you know, uh, sinful, bound in sin, can be treated so much that James one twelve says, "Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love Him." To be given. A crown of life because of the crown of thorns given to Christ. What an amazing exchange. And it it had me asking the question, how can we hold anything back from God after that? After seeing what Jesus went through, how can we ever hold anything back from him? Uh, This was really humbling to me. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is for you right now. The soldiers arrayed him in a purple robe. Kings were known to wear the color purple as a sign of royalty. And here it was used to mock Jesus as king of the Jews. They clothed him in a purple robe while scourged and crowned with thorns, while we who deserved it were clothed in righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become The righteousness of God. Isaiah talks about how we were clothed in righteousness. So we became the righteousness of God while he became sin. He was treated this way. He was mocked. They put a purple robe on him while being scourged. How can we hold anything back from God? Let me continue. This is uh, very difficult to keep going. I just, there's so much to say. They came out to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Hail, meaning long live the King of the Jews, knowing that they were going to kill him. They were mocking him, and not only him as king, but they were also mocking his life. They told him, Hail, or long live the King, knowing that they were going to kill him. Jesus was mocked and scorned while we who deserved it were told that we will be seated with him in high places. Ephesians 2.6 And that we will live eternally with him while deserving death and separation from God. How can we hold anything back from God? After seeing this. The soldiers struck him with their hands. They mocked him. They struck him with their own hands. Imagine the disrespect, not just the torture that took place, but the disrespect to have someone slap you with their hands. I don't know about you, but the hood in me will come out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to let nobody slap me in the face. But here was Jesus. Reviled, but did not revile in return. He suffered, but did not threaten. And he could have. But what he did was he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. They struck him with their own hands while we who deserved this were given a hand of fellowship. We were given a hand of healing and favor. We were given a hand that just brought gifts while he was struck with hands of sinful men. How can we hold anything back from God after this? Listen, man, this is humbling. He did this because he loved the father. That's number one. He loved the father so much that he endured. He endured and he restrained himself from what he could have done to them. He could have called down legions of angels to his rescue. So how in the world did Jesus do this without retaliation? How did Jesus not strike back? His disciples didn't have the power to call down legions of angels in the book of Acts, but he did. And why didn't he? Why didn't Jesus do what every one of us would have done at that time? Well, it was because Jesus always kept the joy of fulfilling the Father's will before him in front of him at all times it was at the forefront of his mind it was the joy of his heart to fulfill the will of the father so much that he endured that painful moment so that the will of the father would be completed and what was the will of the father to make us children of god that was his will Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Love restrained Jesus from what he could have done. Jesus was without fault through this whole situation. Pilate even knew this in verse 4, where it says, Pilate went out again and said to them, After doing this, see, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. He said this three times. He told them in John 18, 38, John 19, 4, John 19, 6, that he found no guilt in him. Even a Gentile, an unbelieving Gentile, saw that Jesus had no guilt, had no sin. And yet he was given over. Jesus remained innocent of the charges brought against him. You have to remember that. Yet Jesus would be mocked, shamed, traded for a criminal, and rejected. In verse 5, Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe, Paulus said to them, Behold the man. Remember that song? Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulder. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life i know that it is finished right that song every time i sing it every time i sing it man i get i get uh convicted i get i remember i remember what happened at the cross that there was a man and his name was jesus he was a man who was despised and rejected by men he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief He was a man despised and they esteemed him not. We esteemed him not. Meaning that we didn't care anything about him. That was us. That's what we would have done to him. And matter of fact, when we sinned, being unbelieving, being God hating, that's exactly what we did to Christ. Our sin put him on that cross. Oh, man, this is uh, very convicting. In verse 6, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. See, Jesus was, in fact, innocent of the accusations, but they didn't believe Jesus to be the Son of God. And that's that's where the accusation actually comes in in verses 7 through 12. Let's read verses 7 and 8 together. The Jews answered him, we have a law. And according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. In verse 8, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. So they accused Jesus of blasphemy according to the law. If you go to Leviticus 24, 16, you could just jot it down. It reads, whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner, as well as the native, when he blasphemes, the name shall be put to death. If you go back to John chapter 10, if you remember in verse 30, Jesus said, I and the father are one in John ten thirty, Then he followed up by picking up stones to stone him. If you remember that. And then in verse 32, Jesus responded by saying, I have shown you many good works from the father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And then he said in verse 33, It is not for good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Then later in verse 36 of John 10. Do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. Jesus, in fact, called himself the son of God here in our text which was an admission of his deity. And that's the reason why they wanted to kill him. See, Pilate was afraid in our text because the crowds didn't seem to accept Pilate's assessment of Jesus being innocent. They were stuck on what Jesus said in John 10. The reason perhaps for his fear was probably because of what Caesar would do to Pilate if he didn't keep things in order in that region. I think it was even common back then for Rome to actually replace leaders who seem uh like they couldn't keep things in order and there were times i think even that they will kill the leaders they were that brutal so pilate was shook as we used to say and this made him ask jesus questions and we see a question in verse 9 he entered his headquarters again and said to jesus where are you from but jesus gave him no answer in verse 10 pilate said to him you will not speak to me do you not know that i have authority to release you Authority to crucify you, and after not saying something, Jesus said in verse 11, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. So, the question here really is Who has authority? We asked this before, if you remember, who has authority here? Jesus, in his humanity, understood. That what looked like an out-of-control situation was, in fact, in control. It looked like it was out of control, out of his hands, but it was in control. Who had true authority over this situation? And that's a good question to ask ourselves, too. Kind of like uh, applying that to ourselves in situations where things are out of control. Do we entrust ourselves to the Father? Do we entrust ourselves to God? Do we believe that God is actually in control? Does our theology of suffering kick in at the times where things are seemingly out of control? Well, for Jesus, he definitely was in step all the way, a thousand percent with the father's will. The scourging, the crown of thorns and the mockery was done to Jesus while God, the father, was in full control of the situation. Remember that. See, Pilate thought he alone had the authority here, but Jesus reminded him who had real and true authority. It was God who allowed Pilate authority to do what he had done. Pilate and the chief priests in the crowds did in fact sin here in our text, yet God was still in control of the situation. Okay, And that being true, they were still guilty. They did sin. They were guilty of the greatest sin for handing Jesus over to Pilate. But God was in control through it all. OK. And so the uh, apostles and Peter understood this. Acts 530. Right. We see directly uh, from the apostles, from Peter, saying the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on the tree. They were guilty of killing Christ. OK, so that's. Some people try to confuse sovereignty with responsibility. We see both. Acts five thirty tells us directly that they did kill Jesus for hanging him on a tree, and yet in Acts four twenty seven and twenty eight it says, "For truly, in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people, peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan." have predestined to take place. We see both sovereignty and responsibility. So Pilate, along with the chief priests and the crowds, are guilty of hanging Jesus on the tree, on the cross. And yet it was planned by God to take place. See, some have trouble with this, but what we have to remember is that God is providing a sacrifice for sins. And God doesn't need to explain himself to you. He doesn't have to tell you how he works or why he works or what he uses for his ultimate glory. God's not obligated to tell you what to uh, how he does things. And I bring this up because many in the church will look at what happened here and wonder to the point of questioning the goodness of God. They say things like how can a loving father allow his son to be given over to die like this? Others bring up the struggle with God not being responsible for the sin of those who crucified Jesus since it was, in fact, God who predestined it to take place. See, the scriptures are clear about two things, saints. His way is not our ways. That's number one. Remember that. Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Romans 11:33. Paul even in the New Testament brings this up. Oh the depths and the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable are his ways. See God can orchestrate events that leaves him without fault. God is the one who orchestrated the death of his son in order that we who needed saving would live. He had a plan. He had a purpose. God was giving his only son for a reason. He orchestrated it. He was being loving. He was being good. But see, people who want to bring God down to our level, to humanize God, as uh, Raven uh, Ravenhill, uh, I think I forgot his name. Um, The one theologian warned us. I forgot his name. Um, But God doesn't need to explain himself to you. He's good. He's loving and doing what he does. See, God doesn't need any explanation. He doesn't need to explain himself to anyone. He's sovereign. He's king. He's in control. His thoughts are not your thoughts. Remember that. His judgments are unsearchable, meaning you can't exhaust his judgments. His ways are inscrutable. You can't scrutinize the ways of God. So where does that leave us then? Well, it leaves us exactly where we need to be, saints. It leaves us at a place of trust. Trusting that God in his infinite wisdom can do all that he declares to do. All right. Remember that. (laughs) God does not owe us explanations as to how he should work. We should instead rejoice at the fact that he does any good in our favor see, we forget people who scrutinize God, who try to say, how can he be good? You're forgetting that You're, you got to look in the mirror and see how evil you are apart from his saving grace. And the evil on display here with Jesus being mocked and scorned and scourged. Really, that is the mirror we need to look at ourselves with what happened at the cross. And you know what? When you do that, you'll be humbled. So the second thing that the scriptures are very clear about is our need to know our place. Romans 9, 19 through 24, right? Starting in verse 19 of Romans 9, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will if God is sovereign and in control? And verse 20, but who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. So who are you? Who are you to answer back to God here? So instead of complaining, maybe you should take time in thanking God for providing what he himself could only provide. He's providing here. Humbling again. Jesus willingly laid down his life so that we could live. That's what's going on here. And he used sinful men for an outcome that will turn sinners like us into children. Someone who often complains about this truth here is most likely immature in their faith and in need of knowing God is king. You got to get out of your whole, you know, being uh, in a republic here, being, uh, you know, being that we elect officials like God wasn't elected to the throne he's a king what is happening here to jesus is not outside of his control it's not outside of the control of god in fact it is the provision of god for us who did what they did to him here in our text see Pilate was under the authority of god and three times Pilate said that jesus was without fault which is why he wanted to release him. But the crowds didn't want this to take place. They had the greater sin in that they rejected the one who was clearly innocent. In verse 12, from then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So not only was he accused of blasphemy according to the law, but they would even appeal to Rome's view of Caesar. To Rome, remember, Caesar was king. In fact, Caesar thought that he was the son of God, that he was a descendant of the goddess Venus. And because of this, Pilate was afraid to release Jesus. And instead, he gave the crowds what they wanted. They wanted a robber and a criminal and not Jesus, who was their Messiah, the Messiah Promised. So here we see the rejection in verses 13 through 16 in closing. In verse 13, so when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the stone pavement in Aramaic Gabbatha. The Greek word uh, is actually an adjective, uh, meaning paved with stone block the word "gabatha," made of tesserae, which was a small block of stone. And the design was like a mosaic uh, design of pavement, of stones, of block stones being built. So this was an area, it was called the praetorium, actually the official residence of an ancient Roman governor. Uh, so it was a place where the governor actually specifically uh, would live. And there was Pilate's seat, actually, where he would actually judge people for their crimes. That's where the what the stove pavement is. One of the things we have to remember again is that God the Father is providing a sacrifice here. Because the picture is the crowds are telling Jesus uh crucify, or he's they're telling Pilate to crucify him. Pilate finally gets to the stone pavement where his throne is, and now he's gonna actually, as a governor, judge and give him over. It looks out of control, but again. God is providing a sacrifice here. He's providing his only son who was without sin. And he's doing it as an offering. You know what? He's doing this during the Passover. Verse 14. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, behold, your king. So this was happening during the day of preparation. And the day of preparation actually is where the lambs were being given to, so that they could be slaughtered for the Passover. Remember what John the Baptist said about Jesus in John one twenty nine. He said about Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the day of preparation, God is preparing a lamb the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. Paul, when uh, rebuking the church at Rome, or the church at Corinth, actually, for tolerating the sexually immoral, he told them in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, cleanse out the old leaven that that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been crucified. Our Passover lamb has been crucified. In other words, Jesus was the sacrifice for sins, and we should not take what Christ has done lightly. See, the church of Corinth tolerated the sexually immoral, they lost sight of what Jesus did at the cross for sin. A, a tolerating of sin points to a passive view of the gospel of Jesus and what he's done at the cross. We forget that God provided his son. And that he allowed him to be, we use the word crucified, but listen, he was slaughtered for our sin. He was brutally beaten, scorned, mocked. So every time we commit an act of sin, let's look to the cross. Before, Lord willing, before, I pray that before you even think of entertaining sin, that you would take some time to think about this passage. Think about what he has done. Think about the scourging of his son. Think about the purple robe being put on him to mock him as king of the Jews. He was slapped in the face. He was scourged all over his body to take upon your sin. Do me a favor, and I'll do this also. Let's think about that before we think about doing something that caused the Son of God to take upon that cross. I, I hope that messes messes you up. It it, it messed me up, <laughs> you know. And it really the for me it, it, the continual question in this text as I'm reading it and seeing, you know, what he has done, is that how can we hold anything back from God after this? How? The crowds continue. They cried out in verse 15, away with him, away with him, crucify him. No pity. And then Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. And then in verse 16. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. And so they took Jesus. You see what happened here? The one who was promised to the covenant people of God was rejected. They settled for a man, a sinful man to be king over the king of kings. But saints, that's exactly what we do every time we sin. We make a trade. We trade the son of God for filth. So I hope that this was encouraging to you today. I know for me, it was convicting. Um, Every time I look at the text here, uh, you know, I preached to the gospel of John before. This is, uh, yeah, this text is very heavy because it's really, really putting on blast. Two things, our sin, which is deserving. It definitely puts our sin out there. And uh, the other thing is, it puts out our disregard for what he has done. But overall, I would say the greater picture of over sin and, and the greatest moment of this whole thing, or let me say it this way. What really stands out in this whole passage where he's being crucified is the love of God. The love of God for sinners that he died for us while we were yet sinners, while we were still rebellious and in treason and evil. Christ died for the ungodly. So I hope you're humble today. I hope that you understand what's taking place today. And let's get ourselves ready um, as we are moving forward to the text. We're going to see where life came from. It came from his death, where our riches came from. It came from his poverty where the love that we were given came from, where His wrath was poured on His only Son. That's what's going on here. In the day of preparation, the Son of God was being slaughtered for our sin. Amen. Well, that's what I have for today, and I hope you were encouraged. Um, Again, I want to encourage you to go to our website, ChristAloneFellowship.com. Uh, we do have a need um, uh, for a building here. And I, I just want to close in prayer uh, for the text and also for you. And also that God will continue to provide. The fact that he provided his son was enough for us. And we're seeing that here in our text. We don't need buildings. We don't need anything else. But God in his good, goodness decides to continue to give to his people. Um, so... What an amazing gift. And so let's pray real quick. And then I'm just going to give you a couple more announcements uh, to follow. Father, we thank you for this text. We ask that you'll be with us. We pray, Lord, that we would take the cross seriously in our preaching, and our living. God, I pray that you would put the cross before us, before our sin, that we would be holy, that we, we would live unstained from the world, which is pure religion. And that that will prompt us to take care of the widows, the modern day widows right now, the single mothers, those single mothers out there that are struggling, the single fathers that are struggling. Lord, God, would you help us to be a community that takes people in and that cares for those in need? We pray for this building coming up, God, and we thank you that you've given us the opportunity to move. And Lord, I pray for our church that you will preserve us from the wiles and schemes of the enemy. On conformity to the world help us Lord god to look to you preserve our unity together as we move and also lord we ask for the finances lord god that you will provide we thank you that our small church lord god you've provided so much for and have you have shown your grace and your mercy and your love towards us so many times father continue to do so for your glory and for our good and for the good of lancaster city we love you and we thank you in jesus name Amen. Amen. all right, so Alone Fellowship.com. you can uh, go there and also you can give um, if you so desire, you can give along right there. At com. also uh, Venmo and Cash app, you can give to the building fund. That's for the building fund specifically. So if you want to give, uh, listen 10 bucks, five bucks, anything helps right now with uh you know what we need and so we appreciate if you gave already continue to pray for us and continue to keep us in mind when it comes to you know if god puts into your heart to give all right and so those two platforms you can give also when you go to the website you can also give on MoGive. it'll be on the main page you can click the link and give a donation there all right and also if you just want to give to the church because we do have a budget to meet uh, Christ alone, You can go to online giving at the top and also give that way. And so, all right, so see you next week. Lord willing at service. Uh, we, we, we're hoping for healing for those who have gotten sick. And, uh, so we're going to continue to be the church and, uh, so yeah, keep us in your prayers and, uh, it's been, uh, an encouragement with you here too. I see people in the comment section, um. You definitely are encouraged and may the Lord continue to be glorified. All right, grace and peace.